Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. This is week two of Compassion Immersion. Now, last week we talked about local compassion and all the incredible efforts of local missionaries and ministries in the Bay Area proper. But this week we are going to take a zoom lens. We are going to zoom out to 40,000 feet and take a look at some of the global work that God is doing. And I say some, it's like 1%, less than 1%. It's a tenth of one millionth of a percent. It's a tiny fraction, and yet it's still astonishing. I've got here with me in the podcast studio two members of our Global Compassion team that work tirelessly to fund and support ministry efforts across the globe. It's really incredible. Kayvon Tarani and Ryan Broyer are here. They're going to share stories about what they've seen in the past year. I think it's not only going to be inspiring to you to see the work other people are doing, it'll inspire you to be more open-handed uh, with who you are. Um, because again, the whole point of all this is just to open our hands and say, God, everything's yours. I'm yours. Use me as you will. And so with that, let's dive into the global stories of God's working here on Compassion Immersion Week 2. Let's go. You know, they call you the, the Persian George Clooney of the Westgate staff. That's what they call you. Do you know that? I appreciate that. How about the, how about the Barry White of Westgate? Uh, Kayvon is bringing sexy back. So well, There it is. Along with sex. Jesus. Hello, my name is Kayvon Tarani, the Can global you? compassion pastor. <laughs> that's that's great. Uh, hey, man. Good to see both of you. Here in the podcast studio with two friends, Ryan Brayer. Hello. And Kayvon Tarani. Howdy, everybody. Now, you guys both work um, for our Compassion team, but specifically global. Yes. Is 100% of your work global? Or does it, is there any overlap between the stuff that Finney and Lily do? Oh, we absolutely do stuff together. Uh, we uh, believe that Westgate is both a local church and a global church. So as a, as a team, as kind of the Compassion team that we call ourselves, uh, we want to kind of go where the needs are. And there's times uh, every month that we have... Uh, uh, you know, when we give food out and, and we're often helping with the food pantry outreach. Right. Uh, there's times that things come up locally that we can help with. And then there's times that we have global uh, activities um, that uh, the, the local team is also able to help us with. And then also when we do something like Compassion Immersion, which we're going through right now, or the calendar uh, that most of the people uh, should have received, if they haven't, they can pick it up uh, this next week. Uh, we do that together. We It's, it's a joint sure. effort that we kind of share the local and global stories because it's truly the compassion outside of our church walls that we want to talk about and we want the world to see. Right, right. So let's talk about that for a second. Why is that important to you, both as a pastor and as a Christian, the compassion outside the walls of the church? Why Why is that so important? Because a lot of, you've been around, Kayvon, you know, there's a lot of churches where that's not a value. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think uh, obviously the mandate, uh, you know, the, the the commission that we have from God is to take the gospel into the ends of the world, right? To start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so, A, we're following one of the commandments of God, right? That this is a, 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 a thing that he left for us before he left this earth. He said, make sure you take my gospel and don't hold it to yourselves here in Jerusalem. Don't hide it un under a bushel. And make sure you put let your light shine on the mountaintops, right? And that the world may see. So part of it is just following the commandments of taking the gospel both locally and globally. 
Uh, and the second is specifically— And you're saying that the gospel includes information about what God's like— and that is his compassion. His love. That's what you know, his love and compassion. Yeah, you know, one of the best definitions of who God is is love. One of the shortest verses of the Bible, right? God is love. Right. It says. And so, how do we show this God of love to people? Uh, yes, we could do it with words, and a lot of churches do a great job of, of of showing God's love through words. But I think actions speak louder than words, right? It's 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 visible. It's it's tangible. It's you know it's visceral. It, it touches people's lives in a different way. Yeah. And we live in an area that is so skeptical, that is so um, rejecting of religious thought and practices and organizations, that for them to see an organization or a church love their neighbor as themselves, which is what we're trying to do, uh, it touches lives. It's a powerful apologetic. Mm. It actually shows That's who really Jesus good. is, the heart of Compassion Jesus. Compassion is a powerful apologetic. It is. Yeah. It is. Absolutely is. Now, Ryan, you joined the team, it feels like, 100 years ago, but it has not been that long. It's... What? No, it was uh, October 2019. And oh, then yeah, right before. COVID erased everything. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you join the team and what have you seen in your time? Because I know it was important for you to join this particular team. There was something about it that drew you just as a human. Mm -hmm. So what mm -hmm. what is it that you get to see? Let's be honest. It was mostly me. He just well, wanted to work with me. Listen, <laughs> I, I get it. This is actually this is I the second it. time I applied to this job. The first time I applied, Kayvon passed. Oh, uh, so... For good reason. For good reason. <laughs> but um, well, the main reason is um, my family, Evie and I, we've been attending here for 13 years now. And one of the things that kept us here is seeing how Westgate is constantly looking outside of our walls, looking for ways to not steamroll the community but partner with the community and asking thoughtful questions like what do you need in this situation and that's something that i had not found in previous church communities yeah and so that's what kept us here and then when there was an opening on the compassion team and evie and i'd been praying about it and i said God's calling me into this. I want to get deeper with my own faith. And what better way than to hang out with Kayvon and Finney, who are constantly trying to figure out ways to help um, our local community, but then also the world at large. Now, before we get into the per particulars, and because you guys actually are in control of the largest like budget item in our church. It's like Millions of dollars. Well, it's outside of our general fund, which is well, uh, right. goes to obviously our. But in, in our terms of the app, salaries and everything it, else, yeah, right, but. right. But in terms of the actual money that comes in, you guys spend more money than any other ministry by a lot. We do. We're mm. we're so blessed to have an eldership uh, that really believes, and and pastors who really believe in what happens outside of our walls matters as much as what happens inside of our walls. Yeah, this is not the case with a lot of churches. Uh, the average church in America gives less than 2% uh, of their uh, income or tithe support, less than 2% goes outside of their walls. Um, a good church is usually between 3 and 5%. Right. So for us to consistently give uh, 20 to 35% uh, of of uh, of a number that's equivalent to that of our budget is is pretty pretty amazing, um, and so the elders are pretty generous to be able to give not only a portion of our tithe, 
which is 10% of the tide that comes in is also dedicated outside of our walls. 10% of the general budget. The general budget is outside of the walls. In addition to that, the loud fund. In addition to that, we do the loud fund, which is fantastic. And we also do the giving good fund, which we've uh, done the last couple of years before. It was called the Advent Conspiracy Fund. Now called giving good. Almost exclusively for for water. Exactly. The Advent Conspiracy was 100% for water and giving good, a portion of it was given to water. So we have three pretty significant buckets where the elders have said, we want to use this to bless our local and global world outside of our walls. And we don't want this touching the lives of people within Westgate. We want it to touch the lives of the hurting, the lost, the broken, uh, disenfranchised and disaster relief around the world and water around the world. So because of that, we were able to give a significant chunk of money. I hear the voice of Steve in my head saying, but you know, whatever, we should give that much money away. We're super rich in this area, so no credit to us, all credit to God. He would he would be quick to say that. Absolutely. So I don't want to make it sound like, oh, Westgate has it all figured out. No, no, but here's but the- it is pretty exceptional, and it is inspiring, to your point, Ryan, which is why I was drawn to this community as well. The, the outward focus of it really makes it... Yeah, a really beautiful reflection, I yeah, think. Yeah, a verse mm-hmm. to, to remind ourselves is, is absolutely the glory goes to God. Uh, from Matthew six five sixteen says, In the same way, let your sh- light shine before others, that what? They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the key. That they're not, we're not doing a compassion immersion. We're not doing this calendar in our book to bring glory to ourselves. It's to really shine the spotlight on God and say, God, you gave this money. This is your glory. And we want people to, their eyes to be focused on you and see how good you are. One of the things that's interesting, uh, before we get into the numbers, because I know you want to, we, we want to talk about some of the projects, but one of the things that's kind of interesting is we have connections to people across the globe because of your guys's connections with our missionaries we partner with missionaries mm-hmm. in the middle east in india that's kind of recently opened up in asia south america uh africa in africa yep so those are the, uh, the what so how has interacting with these people who serve in radically different parts of the globe how is that how, how what have you seen about god's global church because that has to be something, the, the unanimity, the the unity that comes from hearing. Like, what do you guys, what do you, how does that bolster your faith? Or what do you, how does that bolster your faith? How does that, what does that taught you about uh, Jesus and his church? Sure. I think we're um, primarily about two major things globally. Um, one is to uh, provide justice for those who injustice has been purported on them or or suffering because of poverty, or suffering because of uh, you know the orphans and the widows, and 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 those in chains and those in prison. How do we support uh, the marginalized uh, folks of our world? That's one area of our support. The super at risk, that the oppressed, risk, that yeah. risk. Yeah. Uh, you know, diseases and other things, disaster relief. The other is is the lost. Is that there is still a segment of our world, a significant portion of our world, and when we're talking about a population of eight billion, close yeah. to eight billion that we have now, about six billion don't know Jesus. And so what is the two billion that does have a knowledge of Jesus and and purports to have a faith in Jesus doing to support and love and shine Christ for the other six billion? And that's a a tall task. So a lot of the support that we give globally in uh, primarily Africa and, and all of Asia uh, it goes towards uh, unreached, unengaged people groups, people who may not have the Bible in their language, people who may have the Bible but don't have churches legally in their area, and they have to do underground church, and they're persecuted and suffering right. for their faith. 
So uh, we truly love the un- uh, the underground church. We truly love those who are s- sacrificing their lives uh, to make the gospel known. So our missionaries make us as a church better. I always say that to our missionaries. You help us to fulfill the commission of God. You guys help us to be a more beautiful Westgate because Westgate in and of ourselves could take care of the, the s- small areas of the South Bay, right? We, we could draw a little circle around our church and say we can have an impact on this area. Uh, but the global reach only happens through amazing partners that we have that help us to take the gospel to those unreached, unengaged people groups and the hurting, the most hurting of our world. Yeah, it's interesting. In this area, when you talk about water, clean water, people are like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You're providing for uh, like a physical need, and that is beautiful. Or helping with injustice, that makes a lot of sense to people. That there's That's an in, in vogue kind of uh, statement. But what's interesting is, is what we're also saying is there are needs that are deeper than water. Yeah. And there's absolutely. needs that are even deeper than than bread. Yeah. Not that we would ever withhold water and bread, but that we would give water and bread in hopes that living water and living bread would also come into those situations. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why we only partner with Christians, right? We do. Prim- globally, we uh, primarily partner. Uh, almost 100% of our funds goes towards uh, believers who are doing the work, whether it's disaster relief, uh, whether it's even the well digging companies that we yeah. use. Uh, we don't just dig uh, wells and give water, but we actually get a chance to preach the gospel in some closed areas, right? Uh, some Hindu and Muslim controlled areas. We actually tell the, the village elder, we say, hey, we are Christians. Uh, we would love to dig this well for you. And we would love to have the opportunity to share uh, about our faith with your people. Is that okay? And we get their permission, and they all always say okay. They say absolutely. Uh, and sometimes they say, we don't think you can hit the water because we've never had clean water in our village. And this kind of becomes a small miracle, right? So when the village elder says, for hundreds of years we've existed as a village and never had clean water, and uh, our Christian groups go there and say, give us a chance. Let us try to dig and see if we hit water. When we do, it literally becomes a visual miracle, right? They see clean water in a cup for the first time when they've only had you know, muddy brown water their entire lives that has diseases. It's shocking, right? And then we get to share and we why we do it. Yeah. And it becomes a huge apologetic right there. So we partner with the Christians, but of course this water goes to everyone regardless of religion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What what kind of stuff when you look at this past year, what has inspired you out of all the stories you've heard, Ryan, out of all the things, what are some things that jump up to the front of your mind as that was amazing or cool or faith building two things that really jumped to my mind and work well together is um god's in control and if we're just quiet and humble and saying okay god where do we need to go god will show you and two ways that's shown up is one of our uh, missionaries nadim uh Costa. He works primarily through the Middle East. Are we allowed um, to say his name on the air? Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Because sometimes we work with people where you can't. We can't. But yeah. I imagine you know who those people are. I just want to make sure we're not getting somebody killed somewhere. You know what I, I mean? Have a top secret list somewhere. Right. And because we do. We blot out their names, mm-hmm. right? We do. Sometimes yeah. in the more yeah. dangerous areas, some people are working in, in really hot zones. We, we mm-hmm. try to protect them. Right, right. Areas. Anyway, go ahead. But, Sorry. So Nadim's ministry has mostly been with Muslim outreach. And he's been working with uh, the Yazidi population displaced in Iraq. He's been working with uh, the refugees in uh, Syria, Jordan, that have been pushed into Lebanon. So he's and in Lebanon. His, he has a base in Lebanon. But they serve on these surrounding serve, areas. Yes. Because the civil war in Syria, mm-hmm. and I learned this from Kayvon, and it, it devastated, pushed hundreds of thousands of refugees, right? Yes. Into, nor- into the north part of Lebanon, into mm-hmm. India. 
exactly. into Jordan, displaced people, men, women, and children. Yes. And so he's working with groups out of Lebanon to try to serve those refugee exactly. camps. But then the thing that I find amazing is with the migration of the Muslim population into Europe, now they are finding themselves ministering to Muslims in Europe. And so what I thought we would never be supporting ministry outreach in Europe, we're now doing through this massive catastrophe that God is using for his will. And likewise, our missionary uh, Manny, um, who works with WorldLink, and he's done a lot of work in Cuba, and he's done work in India and in Africa. Now he's at the front of our minds for the work he's doing in Ukraine, past, um, supporting all these um, relief efforts in Ukraine and planting hundreds of churches throughout the Ukraine in the middle of a war. And none of that would have been possible in normal times. We wouldn't have thought to support outreach in Europe, but now we're doing it because of the needs there and because God's saying, go. That's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. The number is actually over 3,000 uh, church plants in in, the Ukra- in Ukraine, and uh, it hasn't slowed down because of the uh, the you know what's happened there, the the, the war there. It it's seems like it's probably it, intens- intensified people as people are, people are suffering, God. as people are looking for hope, as yep. pe- you mm-hmm. know those desperate times call for uh, uh, the need for yeah, yeah. and like uh, they call for Jesus, right? Absolutely. Well, it, it's like we talked about. I think it was you and Finney talked about the idea of being on a crisis or being on a quest. Yeah, those who are in crisis are open and and Jesus is often a, the only way yeah <laughs> you know so th- that's really parts. interesting so um oh, what else what else you said there's two two aspects of it oh well so just um i think the two aspects i saw was um with Nadim's ministry blossoming from the middle east and going all the way europe. to yeah. europe wow and then the same thing with Manny where he's mostly been cuba sort of the tropic area yeah yeah and now He's in Ukraine in the middle of a war, and he's fine with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, go where the people need mm-hmm. and where yeah. God opens the doors. That's mm-hmm. really cool. What about you, Kayvon? What As you look back on this past season, are there stories that like jump out to you of our missionary partners that have been deeply inspiring to you personally? Yeah, coming out of COVID, uh, we definitely had... Um, unique opportunities to meet needs of people, uh, and there was an openness to certain areas where there was closed doors before. Oh, uh, because uh, they were hungry. Uh, oh because man, because there was suffering. Uh, yeah. In a way, we have certain uh, places that we have missionaries where what they make in the marketplace that day is what they put on the table that night. If they don't sell uh, anything in the market, they 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 don't eat. Night. Oh man, and uh, when the marketplace was closed, what oh, do you man. do? Yeah, you know, how do you how do you support yourself when there is no market? There's no savings. And there's no, there's savings, no bank account. No credit right. card you can charge. There's, there's no, no social services. Right. And so our missionaries and many other missionaries from uh, around the world got a chance to step in and get a chance to uh, to bring food and bags of rice and wow. beans and hundreds of and thousands and tens of thousands of pounds of much-needed resources food-wise uh, through the generous giving of our people, through God, that we were able to support them. We did four rounds of COVID relief. Uh, the church may not know that, but yeah. four different times we asked our missionaries, what do you need? And gave gifts of 500 to 5,000 each time to each missionary that asked. And that goes a long way. You know, a $5,000 gift uh, can, can sustain a 1,000 families for a, a month or two. You know, it's a lot. Right. You know? 
And, uh, and these were missionaries that were like doing stuff like Bible translation or church planning. Exactly. And they switched and pivoted to immediate compassionate food security relief. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because that was the need. That was the need. Because who cares what you're saying about the Bible? I need I need food. If your kids are starving, that's all you're yeah, thinking about. It's Maslow's I, hierarchy. What do right. I get? How do I get food for them? You yeah. know, and so to have our missionaries be there. In, in, in proximity to them and be able to give them the food that God has so blessed us with here, right? Uh, through COVID, we suffered some, but I, but the world suffered more. Uh, what we mm-hmm. experienced here in the Bay yeah. Area was was a drop in the bucket compared to the, the consequences yeah. of a third world country where food was already scarce, uh, food was already difficult, the money, there is no savings, like you said, and now you have all that taken away. What do you do? And yeah. so our missionary stepped up. I would say the disaster relief was huge during COVID, uh, up and through this past year. Uh, the refugee work, uh, both Ukrainian and Afghan, has been powerful. Uh, you talk about locally, locally, and uh, like we heard about in Europe from from Ryan, is that there has been the one of the largest mass mi- migrations of human beings in the history of our world because of these disasters in Afghanistan and the Ukraine. Uh, how many tens of millions have, have have departed from their countries to neighboring countries? I mean, it's a staggering number. Uh, when you think about it, many of them ended up coming to the Bay Area, especially the Afghan refugees. And what we've been doing for Afghans here locally is powerful. Um, Afghans uh, typically do not have a relationship with Christians. It's a very, very closed culture when it comes to faith. And they have a very strict Islamic faith. And just to interact with a Christian could make them dirty, in a sense. Right. Um, and is illegal in, in their country. Yeah, not just proselytization, but just interacting and becoming friends with a Christian can get you in trouble. And here we have uh, our, our Muslim brothers and sisters who have suffered, lost everything. Many of them had homes and jobs and cars and literally walked away from them to run to the airport because they knew the Taliban was coming. And with the backpacks they had on their backs, they got through. They couldn't get money out of the banks. They had nothing. Uh, I met a family of nine um, who left with $12 in their pocket. A family of nine had $12 when they left the country. Um, and, and they just they needed freedom. They knew the freedom was more valuable than any money in their pockets and anything they left behind. They had a beautiful place. Uh, their their dad had a, a great job. Um, and so they were college educated, some of the kids. And so uh, how, how, we, how can we... Now, where did you meet outside? him? You met him here in, in, in yeah, the Bay Area? Here in the Bay Area, yeah. God's brought um, over 10,000 refugees to California, a lot of them to Northern California. And so uh, between here and, and Fremont area, which is considered Little Kabul, it's, it's the largest area of Afghans in America, is actually r- right up the road from us, 20 miles in Fremont. Did not know that. Um, and yeah, and then Sacramento uh, Valley has also sure. received a lot of, of refugees. And so we have been able to build relationships. I've been able to get about 50 of my friends uh, through my nonprofit, through Westgate support. Uh, through the elders' uh, blessing and, and the giving of, of Westgate Church, uh, we gave a, a gift for refugee relief in Ukraine. We gave uh, refugee gifts to specifically Afghanistan, within Afghanistan. And we also said, you know what? We have a, a ton of refugees right here. What about taking care of the refugees in our in our, in our backyards? Yeah. And so we did. We, we mobilized, and we've been feeding. We've been meeting the needs of, uh, tangible needs of. We've been stabilizing families here who came in, in chaos and lost so much. And some of them don't know much English. And so we have people uh, like myself and others who know the Dari Farsi language that they speak. So that's a little personal for you, too, because... Uh, that was part of your story growing up. It was. Um, it was. You were you were born in Iran. Yes. And a civil war broke out. Uh, yes. Uh, a, revolu- a revolution. A revolution yeah, really, a broke revolution out. broke out in 1979. And then in 1980. That resulted in a totalitarian government taking over. Yep. And a lot of folks had to flee. Your family was one of them. Your dad had a great job. He did. Who was very stable. 
We did. We had, we are a stable family that had a large company, employed over a hundred people, and we had to leave that behind because of this war. And we became uh, immigrants. We became uh, first to Spain for a year, and then came to the U.S. in 1982 as a result of the Iran-Iraq War. So Khomeini, who took power in my country, uh, really took our country backwards in freedom. Uh, and took away all the rights that people had and marginalized all people who were not uh, strict Muslims that he wanted. Uh, so Jews, Baha'is, Christians, Zoroastrians, uh, Armenians, Assyrians, anybody who was an other, atheist, were, were marginalized, persecuted, sometimes jailed, beaten, and killed. And then uh, freedoms were taken away, freedom of press, freedom of religion, freedom of thought. And so my parents wanted a better opportunity for us education-wise, so we left for Spain and then eventually made it to the U.S. in 82. So exactly 42, 40 years ago was when my family arrived here as immigrants, uh, you know, legally. through. And visas, you came to California? came right to Northern California, and I've been here ever since. Wow. So that idea of fleeing these uh, totalitarian regimes for freedom— into Northern California resonated with you. That's part of your story. You also speak the language. I do. I speak Farsi. Uh, thankfully, my parents kept that in, in us and uh, me and my sisters. Uh, my sisters and I, we got a chance to uh, speak it at home all the time and never thought in my life that I'd be using it in, as a vocation, a part of my vocation, especially being raised in California. And most of the people around me only speak, spoke English except for my family and some family friends. But man, has that been useful. To so have this you're language. a war refugee that speaks Farsi and there's a whole bunch of war refugees that speak Farsi. <laughs> they do. Well, Dari, which is the Afghan Sorry, language, you're is right. a derivative it's of a Farsi. Derivative. So yeah. I understand 90, 95% of what they That's tell amazing. me. That's amazing. They understand 90, 95% of what I tell them. So it's been an absolute asset That's to incredible. have that, to be able to do refugee work right What here. a so. crazy coincidence, Kayvon. Yep, coinkadink. I know. <laughs> no, no, no. We, obviously, we don't believe that. Uh, God moving in that. Um, that's amazing. Um, okay. I don't know what else to ask. There's so... <laughs> Uh, right. What? Uh, anything else you want to add to 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 this? You know, um, not everyone is called to be a missionary. Sure. Not everyone is called to leave home and go to another country and minister in these really intense situations. Um, and I think I'm one of those people. Uh, but if you ask the question, "Okay, God, what do you want me to do?" How can I serve? And you invite God into that space and be genuine about it. Then you come up with some really, I'm not going to say easy steps, but maybe low-hanging fruit. Um, like one of the best parts of my job is today. I bought Noxzema for a missionary who needs it over in Africa. And we have people. Skincare products? Yes. <laughs> huh. And it's the most random thing, but they can't get it where they are and they need it. And so we're able to provide that support. Now it's also going along with some big boxes of teaching supplies for their school. Sure. But we have the ability with the resources that we've been entrusted with to support our missionaries. Right. So then they can do a better job. The heavy lifting. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. And so it's not, it's sometimes it's as simple as that. It's just asking God, what do you need me to do and not be afraid of it? That's really cool. Yeah. And I, and it, even that, it's like you're a war refugee who who happens to understand that dynamic, who happens to live in Northern California, who happens to speak. It's a That's a pretty easy way to see how that could 
be of use. Absolutely. I think God does mm-hmm. use what we already know, what we already have, what yeah. we already love, yeah. and puts us in a place where we can utilize that for his glory, right? And yeah. so this isn't something supernatural that God gave me. I just spoke Farsi to my parents at home, right? And that right. was one of the things my parents forced us to do at home, which was frustrating as a child, but <laughs> uh, you do it because your parents get mad at you if you don't yeah. speak the home language. Yeah. Uh, but I'm so thankful they did that, right? Uh, it's it's right where we are, right what we have. God wants to utilize the the passions and, and, and things that that already are bubbling inside of us, right? I already love refugees. I already love uh, people from everywhere, especially war-torn refugees that we're experiencing, right? And something that I already know, right? We, I already worked with refugees uh, at my previous church, Iranian refugees at my previous church. So how cool that it all kind of came together this past year to support these Afghans who, again, many of them have never had a single Christian friend. And here I am bringing dozens of them on a regular basis to meet with them and help them with tangible things like uh, writing a resume, getting jobs, learning how to drive, getting their driver's permit, taking them to the DMV, taking them to medical appointments. I mean, I can go on and on about the things that people can do. Some of it doesn't even need language, right? To take them to the grocery grocery store and help them buy food. These are things that we've been able to do tangibly. And and you know what? It makes a difference. And they've told me before many times, several of them said, Kayvon, even more than the U.S. government, even more than uh, people who said they were going to help us, even family members who promised to help us and they haven't, it's been you and your friends who've come here regularly and you don't stop coming. And, 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 And sometimes they ask me, why? Why do you do that? And I let them know because God loves me and God supported me and my family when we came. And we want to support you as well in whatever yeah. tangible ways that we can. So, yeah, God can use what we have and what we love, our passions, our skills, our abilities, even our vocations, right, uh, to be able to utilize that. And I shared that in, in the sermon this past weekend that there's certain people in our church who are using what they know through their work, right, uh, whether it was Ramen Oren and their speech uh, pathology jobs in, in public schools and now helping kids in Mexico and at a school in Mexico that we support or or, or, or Mark Smith, Mark and Wendy uh, Smith, who are working in Haiti and utilizing his knowledge of laboratories and his work uh, at, a, at, a, at a college here in, in, in the San Jose area, in the Santa Clara County, uh, to be able to go overseas and help accelerate the work of our missionaries. I love seeing that. I love seeing people use their passion and their gifts um, that they have been using in the secular world for Christ, for God, to bring glory to him. Even in their retirement years, some are doing that as well, which is sweet. Yeah, that's amazing. It must... I'm, I'm guessing here, and I could be wrong, but I'm guessing it must be faith emboldening almost every week that you go to work to see the movement of God in kind of real and tangible ways across the globe. That must make you feel so both small and connected and in awe. I, I, at least that's what it would do for me. It would make me feel connected to a much bigger story of what God's doing mm-hmm make me feel real small, like whatever problems I have, my goodness, right? So it's a perspective giver, but also a sense of awe and hope that God is at really, really at work doing some really neat things. Is, is, is that been your experience working with global stuff? Yeah, it's definitely been my experience. Uh, when I first started, it was hard to make that transition from what I did here at Westgate and then going home and having my kids flipping out because the internet wasn't working fast (laughs) enough for their TV show and me to keep it together because um, literally there are people starving around the world and we're working to support that. What are you complaining about? Exactly, (laughs) right? Oh, I feel convicted right now. (laughs) (laughs) But um, working with Kayvon and seeing how he takes a very measured, slow approach to things and then when there's just 
a disaster that rises up, Kayvon's like, okay, let's go. And we move quick and we ask, what do you need? How can we support? And then we help our missionaries that way so they can help the communities that they're in. And it's really humbling and it makes me feel small, but I, it also makes me feel empowered because I'm a part of this Christian community yeah. that is active and vibrant. This global network mm-hmm. thing called the church, yes. big C church. Yeah, it's pretty cool. One oh. of the one of the coolest things I, uh, that I thought this past year was for the first time in our Westgate history, we bought bulletproof vests. Who would have thought that 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 a missions fund would go to provide bulletproof vests for missionaries? Right? How crazy of a world do we live in? Right? And I think it's so cool that one of our missionaries said, "This is one of our needs. We're trying to evacuate people out of uh, out of Ukraine." And when they're in the vehicles, the vehicles get shot up, and we need bulletproof vests to save lives. And we bought dozens of That's bulletproof insane. vests mm-hmm. and, and walkie-talkies to evacuate people out of hot zones in eastern Ukraine uh, to safer parts of western Ukraine and, and have pictures of that. How amazing is that, right? Our missionaries kind of connected us to that, and I'm sitting there going, we live in a crazy world, A, that we have to buy bulletproof vests for missionaries, but how cool that within a matter of uh, days from the time we gave our gifts, lives were being saved, yeah. that bullets weren't penetrating bodies because of the gifts that our people gave. Pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Gents, I know we could probably talk for a couple more hours about all the things. Why don't we? Let's spend all night. (laughs) (laughs) Can can we order in lunch? Yeah, (laughs) we we should. Uh, Honestly, because we only touched on a couple and how many total supported missionaries do we have? Oh, we have uh, oh, well, we have over thirty-seven missionaries on mm-hmm. a, on a monthly basis that we support, and you can add another fifty partners to that. So we sure. have other another fifty mm-hmm. uh, people uh, that you give money, that to, give for money to for special projects. Special needs. That's not even including the seventy or so wells that we do. So yeah, we have right. a lot. Uh, not to mention all the ministries that you can't support or, or don't even know about the Christians working across the globe. Yes. If we could hear all the stories, we'd be here all day, all night, all day, all night. Um, thanks for the work that you guys do, the diligence that you guys do to help uh, spend this money really well. Inve- should I say invest? Yes. Mm-hmm. Invest this money really well with these faithful ministry partners. Thanks for constantly having these people's stories in front of us. The calendar is a great resource. It is. Um, even, the cal- even the calendar is not big enough, let's be honest, because nope. the calendar needed to be 150 pages probably. We could have made it that long. We had a book last year, but <laughs> and the book's months. still available. But, it is. But... Uh, the calendar is helpful because it helps you. You can pray, have it be front of mind, mm-hmm. but also there's little QR codes where you can get more information about the work that's being done all over that region, all over both globally and locally. Right. And it's a, it's pretty astonishing. I got a chance to proofread the blurbs that Ryan Ryan's like, "Hey, proofread this," and and, and almost every time I'm, this is nuts. It this is, is this is bananas. It so is. so cool. Do pray for the missionaries through yeah. the month. So. We've specifically done the calendar this this year and probably next year so that people can pray for that region. When they click on the QR code, they'll see many more missionaries that we couldn't highlight in that month. It reminds me of this two things. Number one, there's this moment in Israel's history where God says, you know, after the Day of Atonement and they're they're with God, he wants them to go out into the nations to be priests, a nation of priests, to show them what God's actually like because he wants his name— to be known because his is the his he is the God who saves, he is the God who heals, he is the God who rescues. Um, yeah. All the other gods out there, they don't. And so the the exaltation of this, this is what he wants his people to be. So thanks for sharing these stories, both of a very good God, but also mm-hmm. faithful covenant partners who are showing this very good God. I think these works of compassion are inspiring, and it inspires me 
to be an even more faithful covenant partner? How can I, Amen. how can I, how can I be more open-handed? How can I be more of a priest to a world that, that desperately needs to know about this very good God? Because sometimes the world is really dark and it looks like there is no God. And it's, it's really important that people, people know this God. Amen. So Thank thanks for all. that. Well, if you want, you can lead a missions trip. So go trips. All right. And with that, we're, uh, no, we do. Good no, plug, honestly, if people are interested in go trips, there is an info meeting next week. Is that yes. correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. This this coming week on the on the sixteenth. Uh, the sixteenth mm-hmm. of that's of that's a Thursday, right? Yes. Thursday. Thursday. Is it Zoom? Is Zoom. it a Zoom meeting? You can go online. You can find out more. Go trips are ways to visit with our missionaries and firsthand experience the work they're doing, and then support them, build relationships mm-hmm. with them. It's a gr- it's a blast. You don't actually do stuff. It's more about learning. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you, the things that you're doing are relational building and being with the missionaries, seeing the work they're doing, and it's really, really life-giving. Yeah. So, yes. so that's coming up next week. So if you're interested in that, please check that out. All sorts of different ways to get involved. Calendar, go trips, pray for the missionaries, meet the missionaries in the lobby. Thanks, guys, for stopping by. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Just want to say thanks to Ryan Braillet and Kayvon Tarani for stopping by and sharing with us all their stories. Next week is the final week of Compassion Immersion, so join us as Steve Clifford and I go through uh, what we do every year in Compassion Immersion, a famous story of a famous missionary in the modern mission movement just to inspire you. This story is a pretty good one, and Steve and I will do a deep dive into it. Pretty astonishing. So join us next week for that, and we'll see you then.